0: Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a kidmin leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children. five areas that I believe every leader must sharpen in order to be the most effective leader that they can. I don't mean just sharpen once, but constantly sharpening these skills uh, in their life as a leader. Uh, When I was called to be a full-time minister you know, I was 18, and I was going to Bible college, and my assumption was, well, I'm going to be a youth pastor, and then I'm going to be a senior pastor. That's just the way it goes. I had no clue that children's ministry was even a viable option. And so, you know, I loved kids. I got involved as a volunteer in children's ministry uh, in, and uh, at the church that I was at, Oak, at Oak Cliff Assembly. But I remember the day... That my senior pastor approached me and said, hey, Brian, our children's pastor who's been here for the last several years, he's leaving, and so I'm going to need you, if you can, to just step in for a couple, three weeks, and if you'll just fill in while we interview other children's pastors that are going to come, and then whenever we hire somebody, then you'll be released from that. But if you could just fill in for a couple, three weeks, and I'm like, hey. I like kids, sure, I'm I'm willing to help, so I did I had no idea what I was doing, but for some reason, uh, we grew during the first few months that I was leading it, that's right months Um, (laughs) after about six months, I asked my pastor, I'm like, where These guys you said were coming in to interview to be the children's pastor. I hadn't seen anybody, and my pastor he did the classic deal. You know, he goes, "Well, you know, I mean, we're growing, things are going well, so let's just keep doing what we're doing." And I didn't realize then, but I realize now. Translation: Why am I going to pay somebody when you're doing it for free? (laughs) And so, hey, I was having a great time, and I didn't mind. And like I said, we were growing. So about after three years, I was about to graduate college, and and you know I, I didn't I didn't really realize that children's ministry, like I said, was a viable option. And I'm praying and I'm saying, God, what am I going to do? And He just put it in my heart: you got to talk to Pastor Wilson about being the children's pastor there. I didn't even think that was an option. I went and talked to him. He said, you know what? I was praying just today, God, you got to speak to Brian's heart because I want him to be our kids' pastor, but I don't I don't think he'd be interested. God put something together, and I've never looked back since. And love it, love it, love it. But I made a huge mistake when I started. Because like I said, I had no clue what I was doing. And you know, when you're a, you're a young adult with no kids of your own, I mean, you have got zero idea what will work in children's ministry. And you feel like a fish out of water. And uh, you know, you don't know what will work and what won't work and what will be effective and what will fail miserably. So I made a huge mistake that many other people in kids' ministry make, and I just decided to copy what I saw other people doing. And I opted for duplication rather than innovation. Now, I remember visiting a neighboring church, uh, Trinity Church, and they were doing a Halloween out- outreach called Hell House. How many of you have ever heard of Hell House? <laughs> just for those of you who don't know, it's basically they take you on a tour through these different rooms and there's sinful events depicted suicide and abortion and murder and you know it's all basically made to scare the bejesus out of you so that you will repent and give your life to the lord i mean that's the goal that's the goal all right well i went through that and you know it was it was powerful and uh you know i thought that was really cool well a few months later I was planning a vacation Bible school on the life of Moses, okay? And I needed something to just take it over the top, and I I didn't know what to do, and so I made a classic error. I just simply thought back to the last big event that I went to, and I figured, hey, I'll just do that. So I did my own version of Hell House, and I thought, what if I apply that to Moses and the Exodus? And I took Hell House and created the Plagues Tour. Now, the concept of the Plagues Tour was to give the children a real-life experience of what the Egyptians might have experienced through the plagues that God sent. Don't get ahead of me now. I divided the kids up into groups. I gave them a tour guide with our team. Man, we had each room set up. It was looking sweet. I was like, you know, this is going to be so impacting. We're going to have some major God moments here. I mean, it's going to be wow. So here I did. I gathered all the supplies I would need, trained the team, and I started the Plagues Tour. And I decided I wanted to go with that first group just so I could get a real firsthand look at, at the incredibleness that was about to happen. <laughs> So we entered the first room, and it was turning the Nile River into blood. And we had the coolest little illusion right there. Man, it was so cool. Now, we, we, the kids didn't know, you know, how we did it. But we had a pitcher that had some uh, red food coloring down at the bottom, you know. And so we took the clear water and poured it into the pitcher. And when we poured it out, the water turned to blood. Ooh, man, it was an amazing illusion. And the kids were like, oh, wow. So I was feeling pretty good about my idea here, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is good. So we went into the next room, and that was the plague of frogs. We had purchased hundreds and hundreds of tiny plastic frogs from Oriental Trading Company for like five cents, like total. How many of y'all love Oriental Trading Company? Yeah. And we got a CD of frog sound effects, and man, they walked in, and there was the sounds, and there was all these frogs, and they're like, ooh, yeah so well. I loved it. They also loved the next couple rooms of the flies and gnats to signify those plagues. Hey, things were going so well, and I was patting myself on the back. But that's when things took a major, major turn, because the kids didn't react so well to the fake cow we had laying in the next room for the plague of dead livestock. They were pretty freaked out when they went into the next room, and we had the plague of boils. Now, I thought my leaders had done a great job of making those boils the kids were freaking out about it and that's when things went horribly horribly wrong because I'd made the mistake of putting some junior high boys in charge of the plague of hail room and what I had told them was I put them in the corner you know on a six foot ladder and they had a big old trash bag of ping pong balls Instructions: Lightly toss the ping pong balls. Did they do that? No. Dude, I mean, the door opened and in comes the kindergarten girls. And they were like would-be assassins. Like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, they have been playing these video games and they were living it out right then, you know. Popping girls in the head. They're like, Aah! She was bawling, this little girl got hit in the face and... She left the room screaming, and I finally got the junior high boys to stop, but not after you know a lot of kids were hurt and they all freaked out. So it didn't get much better as we went into the plague of locusts room and the plague of darkness room. I'm gonna give y'all. i full- couple days I was very very busy as I had meetings and phone calls from parents some of them were curious some of them were angry some of them just wanted to know are you really that stupid sadly I had to say yes I am and for some reason the God moments it just really didn't have that good of an explanation for them I mean parents are so unreasonable sometimes you know that you need to sharpen. Being an innovator, not a duplicator. See, this classic mistake of choosing duplication over innovation is not one that I think is just unique to me. Uh, It's definitely something that happens quite often in the church world. You know how it is? You go to a conference, you attend a seminar, you watch a YouTube video, you read a blog, somebody shares a great concept or a strategy, and you put no thought or prayer into it and immediately think, well, I'll just do that. And you try to plug it right into where you are and in your setting. You know, we hear reports of what God's doing in the the hot church in our denomination, and then we try to just chase their ideas instead of asking God for His ideas. And there's a lot of reasons why we do that. First of all, duplication is easier. It is. It's easier. When we opt for duplication, we avoid that tough work of seeking God for a vision and a strategy to grow our own ministry. It's a lot easier to copy someone else's good idea than it is to seek the Lord for his idea. Duplication's easier, but duplication's faster. It doesn't take any time to get plenty of cool ideas from church leaders in every kind of ministry. You type the words children's ministry growth ideas on your internet browser, you're going to get over 19 million hits. There are books upon books and conferences upon conferences that provide a ton of great ideas. And I don't want you to get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with conferences and there's nothing wrong with books. Hey, I'm speaking at a conference and I wrote a book. Hear hear me out. Books and conferences can easily become a substitute for seeking God and trusting Him for guidance and creativity. You see, duplication may be easier and it may be faster, but duplication rarely produces eternal results. Jesus told His followers, Matthew 6, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I have a question for you. What do you seek first? Is it books, conferences, message boards, ministry networks? And then, if we don't find what we are looking for then, then we get on our knees and ask God, What do you want to do in my ministry? Instead, we should begin on our knees seeking for a God idea that will change the lives in our ministry. You see, in kids' ministry today, I mean, I see so much duplication going on. Now, innovation is happening in some churches, some ministries, and in some pockets of the kids' ministry universe. But as a whole, children's ministry leaders have been reluctant to embrace the idea that they can be an innovator, not just a duplicator. And I believe the time is coming when every Kidman, Kidman leader will believe in themselves and believe that they can tap into that innovator that the creator of the universe placed inside them. And when that happens, I believe we will change the world. It's time for a revolution for what I'm calling a revolution of kid innovation. What's a kid innovator? A kid innovator is this. Someone whose heart and mind is open enough to allow God to birth something in them that will change their community. See, it's time to move away from duplication and into innovation. You serve the creator. He is living in you. He can give you incredible, fresh ideas. Now, understand something. I'm not asking you to start writing your own curriculum necessarily or go off and start your own ministry resource company. That's not what I'm talking about. What I, when I speak of innovation in kids' ministry, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you getting on your knees and asking God to... to Please give you His idea for His vision and His strategy for your ministry. Not just simply choosing to duplicate what I see in other people and see in other ministries. Innovation over duplication. Sharpen that skill. The second one that I want to focus on is identifying and (laughs) developing other leaders. I told you I became children's pastor at uh, what was called Oak Cliff Assembly at the time, and you know I was barely 20 years old. You know I was young, and you know we added a, a charter school in the, the the church, and a lot of unsaved kids were coming to that, and we started really seeing uh, kids getting saved, and a lot of families coming to the church. The church was growing. Um, you know it was an exciting time, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, steadily grew as I was kind of trying to do ministry on my own. I was trying to be the man and do all things and be on stage the whole time. And, and, you know, it was pretty tough because as that continued to grow, there was actually a moment where uh, our music pastor resigned and my pastor asked me to step in for a little while as the worship leader. So get this, I would start off the service in the main sanctuary, leading worship, and go to prayer, and I'd step out the side door, and I'd run upstairs to our, ele- ele- our younger elementary, and I'd do a little song and dance to show up there and kind of get them laughing, and then I'd pass pass it on to somebody, and I'd run down, and I'd preach the message in our 4th, 5th, and 6th grade service, and then I'd end that just in time for me to run around and step into the altar service for the adults and end that service as the music pastor. Well, as you can imagine, that was pretty tough, but I thought I was the man. I didn't ask for any help. I didn't ask for anybody to assist me. I just kept on doing everything my way. I know it sounds insane, and it absolutely was, but I'll tell you. Throughout all that time, I felt like I just had to remain in control, and it caught up to me, because I got a call one Sunday afternoon, and I found out, you know, my mom and dad were on the line, and they had my sister on three-way calling, and I found out that after 29 years of marriage, my parents were getting a divorce, and I don't care how old you are, when you get that news, it's devastating. Now, normally I can handle tough news, and and I can digest that, and I can remain, quote unquote, the strong one, but it broke me at that moment because I was worn so thin from trying to be the man for over a year as the children's pastor, and not using a team, and not passing on any authority or opportunity to others, and suddenly I curled up in a ball and just cried right there. And I couldn't pick myself off the ground. It was tough. It scared me. And I realized at that moment, I've got to make a huge, huge change. And I got a sneaking suspicion that I'm not the only one who has ridden that horse. Because people in every walk of life and ministers in every role in churches, you know, sometimes we can think that we have to do it all. That we got to be the man, be the woman. And, you know, sometimes we, we get so caught up in all of that, thinking that, well, if I hand it off to somebody else, they won't do it as well as I do it. i got a, a little bit of a newsflash for you. There was a time when you couldn't do it as well as you do it. That's right. And somebody gave you an opportunity, and somebody let you have a chance. But for some reason, we're reluctant to do that. There's a lot of reasons why. One thing is, we think we're too busy to recruit and equip a team. This is number one on the list, but I can't tell you how many times that an overworked kids ministry leader has complained to me, you know, I, I don't have time to recruit. I'm doing too much ministry. I'm doing too much work. I don't have time for all that. And, it, you know, hey, if people really, they know what I'm doing, and if they really want to join, they come and they talk to me about it. You know, I, I don't need to go ask them. It's a lot easier if I just do it myself. We think we're too busy. Or maybe we're afraid to ask. A lot of people are are lone rangers in ministry because they they just simply are afraid to ask somebody because they're afraid they might say no or they're afraid that maybe uh, they won't You know, come out looking real smart when they ask because they don't know the right way to do that. Listen, serving in kids ministry is a divine opportunity and incredible work. We all talked about it just a while ago about how great it is to see this. Share that with others. I believe there are people in every church who are waiting for us to ask them to join us in this opportunity, in this ministry. If we wait until they come to us, we may be waiting a long, long time. And Merely placing a little blurb in the Sunday bulletin is not enough. Go talk to somebody and share what God's doing in children's ministry and say, would you consider joining us in this and changing the lives of the kids in this church? I believe that if we'll do that, we'll see a big difference. But a lot of times we're afraid to ask. One of the biggest reasons why we don't ask for help is because our egos get in the way. If we're to be painfully honest, one of the main reasons that kids ministry leaders insist on doing it all themselves is because it feels good to be the man and be the woman. There's a certain adrenaline rush that you get from from being the one who's indispensable. I can't even go out of town because what I do is too important. Now, I know this can't be you. Nobody in this room is like that. But I would have denied it also before my big meltdown. But the fact is, it was true. And it's true for a lot of us. So I challenge you tonight to take an honest inventory of your own heart and your own motives and ask yourself the hard question and allow God's spirit to reveal your hidden desires. And if your ego is getting in the way of allowing others to fulfill the godly calling that he put on their life, and shame on us. The third skill that I want to encourage you to sharpen as a leader is being a good follower. Now you're thinking, wait, I thought we were talking leadership. We're leading others. We don't follow. We lead. Well, you know, the fact is, if you're going to be any kind of leader, you're going to have to be a good follower. Unless you are the leader of the church, as in the lead pastor, you are following somebody. And even he is following the Lord or she is following the Lord and, and finding out where he wants uh, to take the church. And so you've got to learn how to be a good follower. And I'm talking most specifically about your senior pastor, your lead pastor because this is something that's deep in my heart. As I travel across the country and as I talk to a lot of children's ministry leaders, I hear this phrase a lot. My pastor just doesn't get it. Or my pastor doesn't understand me. Or my pastor just doesn't really know what children's ministry is all about. And it breaks my heart when I hear those kind of statements. Because after all, A healthy relationship with the senior pastor is essential for a kids ministry leader to succeed and and to be as successful as they can. And often I have found that kids ministry leaders expect their senior pastor to do all the work when it comes to building and maintaining the healthy relationship between the senior pastor and the children's pastor. Because they say, hey, he's the boss. It's his job. He needs to connect with me. That statement couldn't be more wrong. Every relationship is a two way street. That's right. Listen, senior pastors don't come in one size fits all. They've got different life experiences, different gifts, different personalities, different visions for the church. But in regards to their relationship with kids ministry leaders, some principles apply in all cases. And I just want to give you a couple of commitments that I have made in my life, in my ministry to my senior pastor. And I want you to adopt these in your own life. I believe they're important to sharpen this skill. First of all, I pray for my pastor and his family daily. I've made a commitment to pray every day for him, for his walk with God, for wisdom in leading our church, for the spiritual vitality of his family, for protection from the enemy to cause him to slip up and fall into sin, for God's protection on him physically as he travels the world. For, you know, he's he's working to make a difference in our church, in our city, and in our world. I pray for effectiveness in that. I pray for him, and that causes me to love and appreciate him more and more. Here, here's, a, here's a little something that I learned a long time ago. You know, when there's frustration, if you talk about people to other people, you'll grow to hate them. But you talk about those people to God, and you'll grow to love them. And so if there's a, difficult, a difficulty in the relationship, don't hold back. Pray every day for your pastor and his family. I also look for opportunities to serve. Yes, I do what he asks me to do. But I look for opportunities to serve him. When I travel with him, a lot of times he, he does a lot of speaking. Uh, he's never asked me to do this, but I carry his computer bag for him. He's got a bunch of stuff in there, and man, it is heavy. But I carry that for him. And the reason why I do that is so he doesn't have to think about it. I don't want him thinking, okay, do I have all my stuff? Do I have them? I want him to be able to connect with those leaders that he's pouring into and just not have to sweat the small stuff. I want to serve him in that way. You know, he's a guy that I really have to look for ways because he doesn't ask for anything ever. And if your pastor is that way, look for opportunities to serve. Look for ways that you can lighten the load for him and to help him lead the church in in a more effective way. Look for him. I also offer accountability instead of forcing my pastor to require it. Here's what that means. Yes, you're going to admit a mistake if your pastor comes and points it out and, and, and asks you directly. But I don't wait for him to have to do that. The moment I've blown it, I send him an email, I go talk to him, I say, man, let me just tell you, I blew it today. This, this, let me just tell you the dumbest thing ever. Because here's, here's the thing, when you make your pastor have to go into CSI mode and start asking a million questions to figure out what happened, man, nothing frustrates him more than that him away from being able to minister to families that really need it, instead of trying to figure out what happened, because you're just wanting to cover your hind end. (laughs) Offer accountability. Don't make him go into investigation mode. If there's a problem, give him a heads up. Don't let him be blindsided by it. Offer that accountability. Alright? I keep my frustration quiet. You know, there are times we don't agree. There are times that I'm frustrated with stuff. But I'll tell you, whining to a sympathetic ear might feel good in the moment, but it causes a lot of damage to everyone involved. And it causes dissension in the church. I've seen it too many times. I've made a commitment to communicate my frustrations only to my pastor if I think it's necessary. Sometimes I just need to get over it. Sometimes I just need to pray and get over it. But if I feel like it's something that needs to be addressed, he's the only one I address it to. Not other staff members, not other volunteers, not anybody. I go to him. So keep your frustration quiet, but if you have to talk to him, do that. Finally, I express heartfelt appreciation. Now, I understand you appreciate your pastor, but my question is, have you expressed it? Have you told him? Because it's, let me tell you, pastors get everything that people think is wrong with the church. People have no problem when things are not the way they want them, telling the pastor, I don't like this. Rarely do they say, I'm loving the way you're preaching, pastor. Hey, I'm loving the the direction you're leading the church. I'm just loving this. Why people are like that, I do not know. But that's the case. I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to express appreciation every time. I write him notes and I send him emails about the dumbest stuff. I mean, I say dumb, but I mean I mean it. It's sincere. I wrote him a note the other day, we, we have coffee in our break room. Now, we've got 60 something employees at our church. Can you imagine how much it costs to give coffee to all? We're a bunch of coffee drinking fools, too, I'll just tell you. And I started thinking, man, he's never asked us to contribute to that. He, he's, we, we've just always had that. And it'd be easy for me to just think, well, that's, a, that's, that's what I deserve. I've given my life to here. I need some coffee. But no, I said, Pastor, thank you so much for making that coffee available. It, it, it means a lot to us that you would think that much of us. You know, And, and there's a lot of things that I'm always trying to just express that, that appreciation. Hey, look, don't just be thankful. Express it in a way that communicates your heart. Hey, remember, this is big. Your followers are watching you. And they're watching the way you follow your leader. And let me just go ahead and tell you, I don't care what you teach. If you don't live it, they're going to follow your living example above your teaching example. So you show them how to follow somebody right and set that example for them. Sharpen your skills as a follower. You'll be a better leader because of it. The fourth skill every leader must sharpen is a tough one. Keeping a whole church perspective. We love children's ministry. We've already expressed that. And every children's ministry pastor and, and volunteer has to, you know, the fact is you've got to overcome the obstacle of being isolated from the rest of the church. Because you're not in there in the main deal a lot of time. And it is tough. And we can get so passionate about our ministry that we begin to think this is where the real ministry happens and this is where the only real ministry happens. And this is all that matters. And we kind of develop what a lot of uh, people have referred to as a silo mentality, S-I-L-O, a silo, meaning a self-contained compartment. See, a silo occurs when a organization kind of, or a part of an organization becomes self-contained and independent from the others. It doesn't coordinate vision, it doesn't coordinate philosophy, or practices, and it can happen in any division of you know companies and corporate world. But it happens a lot in churches, especially in kids ministries. And I think it's easy for kids ministry leaders to kind of develop a almost a tunnel vision. When it comes to the whole church and you don't even pay attention to what's going on in other areas. You're just focused on your deal. Listen, it takes effort to stay connected and remain focused on the whole church, but you've got to put forth that effort. It's your responsibility. We don't exist as a children's ministry if the main thing isn't going well. (laughs) You know, so you got to understand that. It's not enough just to sit back and expect your pastor or other staff members to make Make sure that you're vitally connected to everything that's going on and the entire scope of of the church life. That's your responsibility. Ask questions. Find out. Read every available piece of information. Listen to your pastor's Sunday AM messages. If they record them, listen to the CD or if they put them online, listen to the podcast or whatever. Do what you got to do. Even if none of that, they don't even record it. Say, Pastor, would you mind at the end of your message, whatever notes you happen to have, would you would you say those, and I'm going to get those from you at the end of Sunday morning, because I want, to, I want to stay connected to your heart. Let me tell you what that message will be to your pastor. Wow, that's unbelievable. They really want to stay connected. You've got to be careful. Tunnel vision in kids' ministry is something that could ruin you, because when your focus gets off of, of what is really happening in the church as a whole, and you kind of think, well, we're where it's at, get that whole mentality, that's destructive to the body of Christ. So work hard to sharpen that whole church perspective. And finally, I want to share with you the most important skill that must be sharpened as a leader in the body of Christ. The fifth skill is staying connected to the source. I continued in kids' ministry, and our kids' ministry continued to grow. I ended up moving to another church, the church where I'm currently serving. I've been there 14 years uh, next month in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And, you know, I I was blessed to experience great growth there as well. When I got there, we were running about 200 kids on a weekly uh, attendance. And now we're, we're upwards of almost 700 kids on six campuses weekly. I started writing my own curriculum and, you know, I thought, well, this is fun. But then my pastor encouraged me to put it out there for other people to use. And I thought, well, nobody will really want that. Turns out we've now crossed the threshold of our curriculum is being used in over 5,000 churches around the country and around the world. And that's cool stuff. Kids pastors from around the country began began traveling to our church with their teams to check out what we were doing in kids ministry and seeing how it was done. We actually were asked to host the National Children's Ministry Conference for the Assemblies of God so that other children's pastors could come and see how we were doing what we were doing. I began being asked to speak at hundreds of... Kids pastors, uh, two hundreds of kids pastors in huge conferences and speak to thousands of kids kids at kids conventions. And I even got asked to go to other countries and train other leaders. And you're sitting there listening, man, he is going down his resume. What is this all about? I'm telling you this for a reason. And it's certainly not to brag. I got real busy and I got real uh, full of myself and I was daily trying to build my ministry, write my curriculum, accomplish my goals for my kids. And I, I, was, I was not an arrogant person where outwardly I was bragging, but in my heart, in secret, I began to think that I had arrived and I'd been doing this a long time. And I'd accomplished a lot of things and I'd finally become, quote unquote, a success. And as a result, my prayer life suffered, my marriage suffered, and my character suffered. And through a series of events, God revealed to me that I had long depended on my intellect, my energy, my talent, and my plans to accomplish His objectives for my life. I began to believe that I was the one responsible for all the successes in my life. I never stated that out loud. I certainly never said it to anyone else, but in my daily actions of pushing and striving and doing and and just trying to do big things for God, I neglected my intimacy and my connection with my Heavenly Father. And I found myself shriveled up and dry. I'd become a full-time minister But a part time Christ follower. And it was scary. As a result, it nearly destroyed my life, my ministry, and I almost lost my family. And I knew I had to make some serious and drastic changes, and I did. And before you think this was some heroic decision and an epiphany that I came to on my own, I gotta tell you, it wasn't completely voluntary. I had a very difficult, devastating meeting with my pastor one Saturday afternoon, and it was decided that I would step down from upfront ministry until God was able to change me. I was blessed to have a pastor that allowed me to still have a job, but I moved from a leadership role to a support role. I didn't preach. I didn't teach. I didn't lead worship. I didn't even lead a single meeting. I moved to the background because my actions and my attitudes and my thinking patterns had disqualified me from leading others. And, and your story may be different, hopefully not as drastic, but we have all found ourselves in a place similar to that because as children's ministries, we work hard. We, we work hard and we pursue success with all might we tackle daily decisions and difficulties and even approach ministry with all our might but listen to me it is not all our might that he has called us to use and I don't know why but we often put our connection to God and intimacy with our heavenly father on the back burner while we're pursuing his purposes I don't know if it's because we get too busy or if we somewhere deep inside begin to believe I got this I've been doing this a long time. I can walk up there without even studying, and I can do an amazing lesson for these kids. I can do it on my own. After all, I've been pastoring kids for years. I got this down. Too often we pray as a last resort. We work, and we work, and we work. And when we can't figure out the answer to the problem, that's when we go to God for help. Usually to fix the mess that we created. Instead, what we should be doing is going to Him first, seeking His strength, His ideas, His plans. Paul talks about this in Colossians 1.29 when he says, To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. Too often we're struggling with all our energy. And it's to the detriment of our relationship and our connection with God. Hey, we're pursuing good things. We're doing great stuff. But that great things and that good stuff is not what we were created for. We were created for relationship with Him. And the problem is we're moving so fast and we're working so hard, we're doing the work of God and ignoring the God of the work. And when I finally faced this issue, there was only one thing I could do, and I did it. I got on my face every single day. And I begged God to reveal Himself to me again. I hated the guy I had become and the heart that was in me. And I said, Lord, I don't ever want to be that person again. Soften my heart, break me and change me. I needed nothing to stand in my way. And that's, that's a lot of the reason why I stepped back from upfront ministry. You know, we've all heard of the, the married couple who divorce after their kids leave home. Because they sit in the room and they look at each other and they find themselves at a place where they're total strangers because for so many years it's been all about the kids and not about their relationship. Maybe you're here tonight and you find yourself in that place. God is saying to you, I miss you. For too long it's been all about the kids and not about us. Tonight I believe He's calling you back to Him to connect to the source. And there was a song that, that I listened to during that, that year I spent away from, from Upfront Ministry, and it meant so much to me, and it became the, the heart cry of my life. And I want you to listen to this song tonight. If you would, close your eyes and just, just soak it in and allow this to be your prayer tonight. This song was a song that meant so much during my renewal period. And I want this song to be your prayer tonight. you've called us to do on our own. I don't care what kind of skill, what kind of knowledge, what kind of amazing ability we may feel that we have. We are nothing without you. Without you, we can do nothing. We can know nothing. We can accomplish nothing of eternal value. So Lord, we, we ask for your forgiveness for those moments when we've tried to go it alone. Lord, we, we may not even realize that's what we're doing. We get so busy. We get so busy that we neglect our connection with you. Lord, let it never happen again. But let us daily seek your face and remember that you are the vine, we are the branches. And if we are not connected to you, we will shrivel up and die. We commit ourselves and we commit our ministries to you and we say, Lord, never again will we try to do a thing without you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to sharpen these skills. Help us to be the leaders you've called us to be. Help us to be the followers that you've called us to be. We're dedicated to our ministry, but we are even more dedicated to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to move into kind of a team time moment. You guys got to experience that this morning. I've got some some questions that I'm going to lead you in and what we're going to do is we're going to move you know kind of quickly through uh, each section the, all five of these skills we, we got a couple of questions so what we're going to do is just like we did this morning I want you to find those people that are in your team uh, either on your team from your church or from your area just like you did this morning and move to those areas and then I'm going to give you the first couple of questions that I want you to work on together and uh, I think you're going to uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. So real quick, move there. We got to be done in 25 minutes, so we're going to move quick, okay? (coughs) Thank you so much. on we talked about skill number one being an innovator not a duplicator so there's there's two things I want you to, to talk about amongst yourselves help each other all right share your ideas first of all, What are some of the reasons why you personally have found yourself settling for the good ideas that you see others do rather than seeking God's ideas? So what are the reasons and excuses, the reasons why you do that? And then look, think about your church, your ministry. What's one area, not five, don't list seven, one area in your ministry that you feel right now could use a strong dose of innovation. And I'm not going to ask you to come up with a strategy necessarily right now, but you need to at least identify that area. So, what what are the excuses and the reasons why you chase after good ideas instead of going after God ideas? Be open and vulnerable with each other. And then, what's one department or area in your ministry that you know could use a strong dose of innovation? Go. you got five minutes. All right, moving right along. We're going to move to skill number two. That's a tough one. Identifying and developing other leaders. Here's what I want you to share. Very easy. Now, I I know recruiting is is tough, and, and you can pray, and God will lead you to the right people, but I want you to focus on this. Who are people who are already volunteering on your team who you believe are potential leaders, the ones who can become strong leaders with a little time, attention, and training. Share who that is and what are you going to do about it. All right, go. You sound like you're having some good dialogues. I know I hate to interrupt that, but we got to move to the next skill. your notes with you. You brought them with you over to your spot. Look at that list of uh, commitments that I have made uh, for my relationship with my lead pastor. Look at that list, and I want you to discuss which of those are you doing really well, and which ones need some work. And again, what are you going to do about it? All right? Of that list, under being a good follower, I pray for my pastor, all that stuff, which ones are you doing well? Which ones need some work and what are you going to do about it? Alright? Go. Alright. Moving right along. We got to go on to skill number four now. I know you're not done. Y'all wouldn't be done for a long time. I can tell. Y'all got a lot to to say. Alright. Skill number four. Keeping a whole church perspective. Where are you the spectrum? How you doing in that area? And then what are some practical steps you can take to avoid that tunnel vision that so easily creeps up on us? So where are you on keeping a whole church perspective and what are some practical steps you can take to avoid that tunnel vision? All right, ready? Go. And here's what I want you to do. We're talking about staying connected to the source. It's going to require you to be a little open and transparent with one another. But here's, rather than give an inventory on where you are, I don't want you to do that. But I want you guys, your team here, and you know each other, or at least you do now, (laughs) and uh, I want you to commit. each other, especially those of you who are here from the same church or the same area. Commit to each other to look out for each other in this area. Because, hey, we got to be able to speak into each other's lives and hold each other accountable in a a good way because we want each other to, to do this for the long haul stay connected to the Lord so I want you to to commit to each other to do that and then just pick one person or somebody can volunteer to kind of solidify this whole time in a prayer for the whole team and just pray that God will help all of you to stay connected to him and then we'll close out go for it All right, we are done everybody thank you so much it was an honor to be with you tonight Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.